Welcome to the Seek 24 podcast. I'm John Michael Lucido, and I am so glad that you are here. This podcast is a place of community, collaboration, and inspiration created to invite and encourage you deeper into relationship with Jesus. Did you know that Seek is hosted by Focus? This year is Focus's 25th anniversary, and we wanted to celebrate with you by telling you our story. Curtis Martin, Dr. Sri, and John Zimmer will take you back to the very beginning, our beginning. From drawing the Bible timeline on a little tyke's chalkboard in a home that we rented out for our first summer training, to the systems we now use to train over 1,000 missionary staff at our new staff training, this is where it all started. And this is how the Lord has blessed Focus to grow and serve better and better over the last 25 years. So here we go. Here we are. We're in Lincoln, Nebraska, celebrating 25 years of Focus. Tell me a little bit about kind of the, the start of how you guys met and how, how Focus got launched. Thank goodness to Scott Hahn and Franciscan University, right? So we were both pursuing graduate studies together and, uh, Ted was a year behind me, but we met and uh, became fast friends. In fact, the first time I met him, within 30 seconds, I was introduced to Curtis in the registrar's office when we were signing up for our classes for the semester. And he introduces himself and he says, yeah, I've got this dream. This is what I want to do. It's called Focus. He had the name already. This is, I, I so remember he was so passionate about it. It's going to be a campus, you know, Catholic campus crusade for Christ, evangelizing college students. And and I was I was thinking, that is amazing. I'm so glad somebody's going to be involved to start something like that. Little did I know I would be involved a couple of years later. <laughs> Yeah, it was a couple of years later, I think, that you were out of Benedictine College as an adjunct a, a professor, and you invited Curtis to come out, and, it, and we know it is the coldest night on earth. What happened there? That's right. Well, Dr. Sri had taken the position, it was, it was Mr. Sri at the time, you didn't have your doctorate, you are done with your classwork, you were teaching at Benedictine, and uh, you invited me to come out, and I thought, well, we'll give a talk on campus to a group of students, and then we had this idea, why don't we get a, a group, you could hand select a group of leaders. So there were people involved in campus ministry that were great, but there were other people who were involved in athletics or student government. And he went around and really cultivated for several months leaders we thought could transcend the cliques on a campus and get there. And we brought, what, 20, 24 students? We brought 24 students out in this little retreat center out in the prairies of Kansas. And uh, it, it was amazing. Now, I, I'm a full-time professor, and I'm working on my doctoral dissertation. So I had no plans of being involved in Focus. I just wanted to help my friend Curtis. And I saw, oh, there's some good students here. Maybe we can find the right ones that, you know, one day in the future, Curtis could start his Focus thing here at Benedictine, perhaps. So uh, we go out on this retreat, and it's it's been labeled the coldest night on Earth because, really, it was below zero. And the men's cabin, the heat went out. There was no heat. We Cinder literally... Lock cabin. I, I, nobody told me there wasn't bedding. I didn't have a sleeping bag. So I've got everything in my, my suitcase, <laughs> sweaters pulled up around me, and I'm just freezing all night long. You could see your breath. The first night. <laughs> you, yeah. It was your sleeping bag. I was crazy. But I really think from that coldest night on earth, the, the flame of the Holy Spirit really just took off because at the end of this retreat, and it was just to introduce the idea of focus. There was no plan. It wasn't like we strategized, oh, let's start focus now. You know, it was just like introducing the idea to the students. And then the students were so on fire. Yeah. It was a Christ-like leadership conference. That's what that we called we had it. put yep. together. And uh, as, we, as it was coming together, we realized they're actually going to want to start to lead like Christ. And so we're starting something that we're going to have to feed. And so it was uh, really amazing. And I think the other piece about that, John, is that 
that coldest night on earth was also a realization. This is going to be amazing, but it's not going to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a part of it, the realization of if, if you want to go on, a, on mission, whether you're St. Paul or whoever it is, you know, St. Teresa's famous line, if you, you know, I see it the way God treats his friends, it's no wonder he has so few of them. But to realize this is going to be challenging, but so amazing. Because really the, the response rate then and ever since, we presented this to 24 and pretty most of them oh, accepted were, the challenge. They were all like, we want to start Focus now. And they said, Curtis, could we start now? And Curtis was like, well, I, li- I live in Ohio, but Professor Sree's here. He'll help you get started. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> so that's how I got roped in. And then very quickly, we were, we were writing Bible studies like that next week. So we're on the phone like Monday night, I think it was, yeah. and many Monday nights to like one or two in the morning, writing a Bible study over the phone. He's in Ohio, next I'm chapter. there in Kansas. And then I would lead that Bible study the next day with a, a, a group of students and then later that week, I would be meeting one-on-one with some of those students for coffee to train them in the Bible study so that they could lead a group the following week. So it was like we were making the whole thing up as we were going. But it was awesome because we had, let's see, we had about five Bible studies started, uh, five or six. I think there were three women, uh, three guys, two or three guys, and we had Bible studies going. And it was just taking off. And by the end of that first year, we had 70 people in one semester take off in that that. Uh, it was uh, that spring semester of 1998 when Focus was born. Including uh, a young Jared Conradi, who was the first guy to enter seminary through Focus. So he came in and was involved in Bible studies, went off, and he's a great priest. Uh, and so it was really kind of fun to see what happened. So God granted us fruitfulness in the very beginning, but it was very much smoke and mirrors and you know <laughs> duct tape and trying to put it together. But it was fantastic because, I mean, we were spending literally hours on the phone uh, talking about how we'd want to present the biblical principles to these young leaders. And it was great for us and for our friendship. It was great to watch this. We're not there yet, but it's, it reminds me a little bit of how quickly God granted fruitfulness to you as you came on yeah. staff as a missionary. Well, I think what's amazing is that very first Bible study you guys wrote on Monday nights, you know, back in the spring of 1998, which I then led as a, as a missionary about a year later, was a really clever title of Called Book, book One. one. Book is, One. That's Beautiful. A great, Amazing great start, Yeah. But we didn't, we didn't know what to call the second book. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because those principles that are in that Bible study from 25 years ago are still in the Bible study that we lead today called the crux, the, the real the heart of it. In fact, I also think back to that. I want to come back to Benedictine in a second, but I was on staff for maybe three or four days and uh, we're in Colorado and Megan Wirtz, Megan Monahan at the time said, John, are you excited about the leadership conference this weekend? I said, what leadership conference this weekend? Oh, every year, Focus has a leadership conference. Every year, Focus isn't even a year old yet. But she was referencing that that very first Bible study a year earlier, or the very first retreat a year earlier. And, of course, now we look today and the, the amazing fruits that come from SEEK, uh, the opportunity for people to encounter Christ and, and really experience transformation. So SEEK really is a development, uh, kind of an organic development over time from that first 24 students to now, I think we had 19,000 people there for adoration uh, the middle night, and the opportunity, and then many tens of hundreds of thousands of other people watching via video feed, but to be able to see the the snowball of grace continuing to grow every year, and sometimes people sit back and say, oh, well, you know, how do you do seek? Like, well, you start really small <laughs> and watch it grow. But it's been amazing to see, and in, in, in my interactions in life with both of you, to see you uh, starting small, sometimes with very little resources, almost none, and then to be able just to start investing in people. And between the riches of the church, uh, our own hopefully deep faith, 
and the willingness to, to, to dive deeply. I mean, I think of you taking the young people at Benedict and after that retreat and meeting at daily mass and then staying after mass, uh, just a small, tiny group and just begging God for a renewal and revival at Benedictine College. Yeah, that really was one of the most amazing, I think, experiences in, in ministry that I've ever had in my life. So we had that great, you know, grace filled first semester. And then we came back in the, in the fall. So this is fall 1998. And at the beginning of the year, we did a retreat with the, the student leaders, you know, a couple guys, a couple gals. And then I challenged them to a six week challenge. Let's commit together to go to daily mass. They had a 9.30 p.m. mass at Benedict College. Now, I want to be clear, Benedict College today is amazing. It's known as one of the top Catholic schools. We've all had kids that have gone there. It's, it's awesome. It wasn't quite as strong in his Catholic identity in 1998. It was known as like this major party school. And so many kids actually went there and lost their faith. Um, and we're caught up in the drinking scene and unchastity and all these things. So, uh, we were really battling a, a very secular culture, even though it was Catholic in name at the time. And we prayed for the campus. So we committed to go to this daily mass when only maybe there'd be only five other students there. And we showed up every night at the 930 mass and then other students would leave. And then we stayed after the mass and prayed for about 15, 20, 30 minutes. Just, we went right up, right underneath the tabernacle. And we're just begging Jesus for conversions on campus. And we named all the different parts of the campus. We prayed for conversions on the football team. We prayed for conversions in student government, conversions in the business department, all the different departments. And, and we prayed for people to commit their lives to, to chastity, to commit their lives to sobriety. And I mean, the, the students were pouring out their hearts. And it happened. I mean, it, it was like you just saw over the next several months, one conversion after another in all these different areas and people making radical decisions for Christ. They said, I, I don't, I'm not going to go to the parties anymore. I'm not going to get drunk anymore. And they were hated. They yeah, were their mocked, friends turned on them. They, they were ridiculed and they, they suffered. You know, you know, they were like the, the early blood of the martyrs of Benedict College that was the fruit of so much renewal. But we, you know, when you came, John, to that first event, uh, that that which was the, the, the second, second the second <laughs> annual leadership conference. I mean, you saw there were a number of like key leaders on that campus that were in like I mean, they were all different parts of campus life, and they got up and they were giving testimonies. They were converting. Some of them were talking to us about joining staff. It was just, it was amazing seeing that. And within just a couple of years, one out of four students at Benton College were going to Bible study each week with Focus. And then you start seeing like dozens of vocations coming out of Benedict College every year. Everyone, a third of the campus starting to go to daily mass. It was like this massive transformation. And there are many people involved in that renewal of Benedictine, but many of the leaders there would point to one of the most significant parts of the turning of the school was, was focus. And many dozens of Benedictine graduates becoming missionaries with focus and going to other campuses all over the country and around the world and really became a missionary sending center in a very short amount of time. A, so a, a place in very much in need of mission, and we always are in need of mission, but then also a, a, a core part that was a mission sending and has continued to be that. You know, I, I, I have a first year staff member here, uh, my son Joshua, who went to Benedictine College and is a first year staff member for Focus right now. And he's got two brothers who are here who were Benedictine grads as well. Yeah, I think back to that, that first, second annual uh, leadership conference that I went to in January of 1989. And I was a missionary for all of maybe six or seven days. <laughs> uh, but I remember Joe Wirtz, who at the time was a senior at Benedictine College, but I didn't know. For all I knew, Joe was a staff member because the way he he had confidence in his faith and talking about his own personal conversion, talking about Christ-like leadership. I was sitting there watching going, 
it's a pretty high bar. <laughs> Not knowing that he was a student who had been involved for less than a year, you know, but that's what happens when you have a student who's on fire with Christ. And then it, we walk alongside them, accompany them and give them some tools and they can take the world by storm. No, I mean, Joe at that time, along with Beth, weren't full-time missionaries. They were both seniors who I think were getting, what, $200 a month or whatever to help with expenses. Part-time missionaries. Yeah, they were part-time missionaries, and, and you were too. And uh, we're paying you even less. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to be able to to say this was just happening because God was moving in people's lives, and all of a sudden you, they wanted to share that experience with other people. And it radiated out from Benedictine College, as you know, because you joined us at Northern Colorado, that the following fall, we opened up also at Northern Colorado. And uh, you became part of that team halfway through the year. And that first weekend or second weekend showed up for the leadership conference. So tell me, Curtis, so Ted's at Benedictine College with a group of students who had been at a retreat six months earlier. You're driving in your car to Greeley uh, at the University of Northern Colorado. Tell me about what that experience was like to to set foot on campus. Yeah, I, we had worked, as, as Ted mentioned, we had been together and, and praying. Uh, what we didn't say is even before Ted went off to Rome, he was already helping uh, work out some of the theological re- realities and, and, and stuff, and so helping uh, part-time. And he was like, how soon is this going to happen? I said, it's, we're still a couple years away. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm off to get studies. And he was on to, to pursue uh, where he, God was calling him. But uh, so we had a lot of thought. Somebody asked me recently, so 25 years ago, you've been thinking about this. I said, actually, it was closer to 35 years ago. I'm just really slow. It took me 10 years to figure out how to actually do it. And Greeley was where it was going to happen. Yes, at Benedictine College, but I didn't live there. But Archbishop Chaput had invited me, us, our family, to move from Steubenville, Ohio, to Greeley, Colorado. And I remember the first time I looked at University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, and I went into a cold sweat. I was like, this is in theory, this is going to be incarnated right here and it's going to succeed or it's going to fail. Um, and this is going to be, this is really hard. I had already done what most people think is the hard part, which was get my family packed up and move. Uh, that could be very tough. And I'm, I take nothing away from the difficulties of moves. But, uh, but actually the, for me, the harder part was, oh my goodness, all this thought, all this prayer is going to be tested in reality here. And yeah, it's going well at Benedictine College, but the very nature of what Focus does, it can't be a success someplace. It actually be, needs to be moving towards it being a success every place. And so it was, it was great. And we, at that time, we had, by that time, hired two full-time missionaries, Mary Claire and Megan, and they were with me at, at Northern Colorado. And then we met you, your, your younger sister, Anne, was involved in the program, and we met you. Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, how you got there? Yeah, no, my sister was involved in Bible study. Uh, she was involved in, in Megan Wirtz's, Megan Monahan's Bible study. And my wife and I had just got married, September 98, and we're on our honeymoon, and we're driving around the island of Kauai in, on a rental car, and this thought just comes into my head, we should start a camp crusade for Christ that is Catholic. And I, I thought, that's great. I had lots of experience with Catholic ministries that unfortunately did not really reach me with the gospel. And I had experienced a campus crusade with Christ or for Christ because my brother was involved and it was, he had the kind of friends that I wanted. And that was even before I had really surrendered my life to Christ. I just knew these guys were awesome. So this thought comes in my head. We should start a campus crusade for Christ. It's Catholic. So Barbara and I talk about it and we're excited about the idea. Just one slight problem. I had zero ministry experience. I had never even attended a Bible study, much less know how to lead one. I had no idea how to do this. But about two weeks after our honeymoon, uh, I'm talking to my mom on the phone. And she says, John, have you talked to Ann lately? I said, no. 
it's before the time of cell phones, you can text people. So it, it required a long distance <clears> phone call. So she said, well, you should talk to her. She's involved in this group, John. I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's kind of like a camps crusade for Christ. that's Catholic. <laughs> and, um, I'm pretty dense most of the time, but that one got my attention. So, uh, I, I, I really do think had that, had I not had that thought, which I know is the Lord prompting me, he's planting this little seed in my head. If I hadn't had that thought on our honeymoon and my mom told me that story, I probably would have said, that's so awesome. I'm so glad somebody is doing this because it's really necessary. Yeah. But God, God prompted me to, to make me open. So yeah, we, uh, called you on the phone and a couple weeks later, we're out, uh, visiting with you guys for a day and two months later, yep, interviewing. And then two months later, packed our bags up and left Seattle, left the corporate world, left sales, and uh, uh, went to go on the college campus. What I love about the two stories, the Benedictine and, and uh, you coming to Northern Colorado, is you know, we're writing Bible studies literally hours before you're going to deliver them. You had no, we're here at New Staff Training. We are training hundreds of missionaries. You had no New Staff Training. There was, literally it was, John, let me lead a Bible study with you. And then from your memory, go do that with somebody else, either here at Northern Colorado or at CU Boulder. And yes, we want to do the best training we can, and more training is a good thing, but it is not necessary. Uh, our joy of being a disciple and sharing inartfully, less fluently, uh, certain concepts, but with great intense, oh my goodness, this is so cool. Yeah, you can get better at that. But the most important part is, is has this changed your life? Because if it has, I want to hear about it. And uh, oh, But we've gotten better at the training, which is a beautiful thing. What I love is that we still have now hundreds and hundreds of full-time missionaries who have that fire, have that faith, and wanting to, to share that with other people. I was just asked, you know, well, how do you become a focused missionary? I said, well, first of all, you don't have to become a focused missionary to do this. Everybody can do this. Anybody can, and everybody should. But you, yeah, you can become a missionary and join us. Uh, we'll be hiring next year for next year. But uh, we're watching our benefactors. We're watching our alumni. We're watching people who've never been involved with our program, who are starting to live like missionary disciples and sharing their lives with one another and doing what we try to do: win, build, send, win people to Christ, build them up in their faith, and send them out to win people to Christ, to build them up, to send. You know, it's a song that never ends. Let's go back into the timeline just a little bit, just yeah. to make sure we get this right. So it's January, end of January 1998 is when we have the coldest night on earth. Focus is born there uh, at that retreat. We're leading the Bible study. Don't forget, you didn't tell me I had to bring a sleeping bag. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had uh, those original Bible studies being written. We're leading on campus. And then we one part we didn't talk about was that first summer training. Yeah. So we think about here we are, you know, we're, we have this amazing summer training, all of our missionaries, a thousand people in, and it is just a machine running. That first summer training was in a, a house that I rented in, in Steubenville, and it was in the living room, and we were drawing the Bible timeline chart on a little Tykes chalkboard that some homeschooling family, I think the Supernauts, let us borrow. So it was really very rudimentary. We had taken for the summer. We had stolen a little Tykes. We did return. But. So we go back to Benedictine. Things are starting to take off at Benedictine with the six-week challenge that fall of 98. You and Michael Ann are moving out to Greeley, and you're there with, with uh, Mary Claire and with Megan. And then John Zimmer comes onto the scene January yeah, John of Barbara. 1999. John and Barbara, and you're... You're starting. I, I want to hear about. Tell me about what's happening in Colorado. 
Yeah, well, one of the really vivid memories I have of that very first semester on campus, which, you know, as Curtis, as you mentioned, I, the, the only training I had was the training of sitting in your living room and having you and Michael Ann lead Barbara and I through a Bible study. I think one Bible study. I sat in on one Bible study before I started leading my own. And God's doing amazing things. Um, you know, we talk about how God doesn't so much desire our ability as he does our availability. I think I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. God was doing amazing things for me. God was doing amazing things for Barbara. We had no training. It was just people who were in love with the Lord setting foot on campus. But I remember one particular experience uh, that, that is really present to me, even to this day, uh, where it was, uh, I think we called it prime time. It was our Thursday night leadership event, large group leadership event. Large group. Yeah, large group, <laughs> about 40 people. Um and we were sharing with them how to share their own personal testimony. And uh, we're, we're meeting with these students in small groups and you and myself and, the, you know, the missionaries are split up. And after all the students left, it was just a moment of extraordinary discouragement. Um, yeah. So I. Yeah, we had broken up and Barbara led a group and Mary Claire led a group. Megan led a group. You and I had led a group. And what we discussed, each of us had kind of a deflating experience that even is kind of like this, the wires aren't connecting. And, um, and as we began to speak and debrief on what we happened, we realized of all these students that we'd been working with for months, uh, none of them had a testimony. They, none of them had really experienced in a personal way the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we've been working and working and working, and it's it's like you know putting frosting on something that isn't a cake, a, a car bumper or whatever. It, 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 and, and it was just we're like, oh my goodness, are we wasting our time? Yeah, it was it was devastating. So I'll always remember your leadership in that experience, Curtis, because we're, we're all discouraged. We're, you know, questioning, is, is this even something that we should be doing? I mean, we don't want to be wasting our time doing something that is not the Lord's bidding. And just to kind of put it on the, it wasn't pretty there involved. There was a lot of tears, a fair amount of mucus. It was, it was, it was a very emotional, very uncomfortable moment. Yeah. You know, no, it, it was devastating. For it me. was, it was uh, a moment of, you know, I mean, I, I had just moved. I, I was working for a great tech company, making good money, you know, and I moved out here and my father, the shortest was career ever, not quite sure what I was doing. I had just married his daughter and, uh, you know, here two months later and, and then you just took it to prayer. And one of the things that you prayed was that if God, you do not want to bless this effort, that you would just crush focus because we do not want to do anything that's contrary to your purposes. And I mean, I think about that frequently because at the end of the day, this is not our mission. You know, the three of us sitting around this table, our spouses, this is not our mission. This is God's mission. And really at the end of the day, if, if the Lord does not want to bless focus for the next 25 years or for the next year, that Lord, please crush focus. We do not want to be at cross purposes with what you were, what you intend. No, it's, I, I think it's really critical. The, the lesson that I would take from that is that we need to live in continual, absolute dependency on God. And we're a tool in his toolbox. And if he decides, I don't want a flat edge screwdriver, I want a Phillips, and he puts us down and it's over, we're okay with that because he's the worker. At the same time, if you want to keep using this Phillips head screwdriver called Focus, we want to be as well prepared and ready to serve as we can be. And, uh, and it's hard not to begin to dream a little bit as we have for 25 years and as now we look forward to 25 more. What could this be? And I would, my experience would be that the world is actually worse than it was 25 years ago. But the, the, but the bright spots in the church are actually brighter. 
the, the, the vocations of the priest in religious life, they're younger, they're, they're vibrant, young families that, that are uh, having lots of children frequently, some of them struggling to have children, but they're, they're this amazing faith. That, when I was thinking and praying about what would become focus, that was not the church I knew. It was, it was in ashes. Uh, to try to find a faithful priest was a chore. To find a, a, a religious woman under the age of 70 was hard. And to be able to see there's real renewal. And God willing, if it could go for another 25, 125 years, wow. And at the same time, if not, I don't want to be saying, no, you've got to use this screwdriver. Lord, you do whatever you want. But the screwdriver, it, so much to give thanks for uh, what the Lord has done through through Focus. I, I just think about all that did come out of Greeley and a number of vocations and then the work that you started doing uh, down in down in Boulder, yeah. at CU Boulder, and that Bible study that you led down there. How many how many priests came out of that? Yeah, the 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 Bible study that I led in Greeley, the one that I led a day after being in your uh, your living yeah. room, uh, I calculated it once six weeks to the day after I began to lead that Bible study. One of the guys in that Bible study had a conversion right in the middle of the Bible study. So much so that none of us knew it at the time. But the Lord spoke to him, convicted him of his sin, invited him into the mercy. And that today is Father Greg Peterson. His buddy, Father Peter Musset, is the chaplain down at the University of Colorado Boulder. And then two of the guys down at the University of Colorado Boulder became priests. So four guys in that very first year ended up uh, joining the seminary and becoming priests. And uh, it's just, I mean, for a guy who did, literally did not know what he was doing. But you made yourself available and you were praying. And I love Father Greg's story because it, to me it's, it's a beautiful thing because Father Greg actually went through focus as a Protestant. Yeah. You know, we're here, we're pretty Catholic, but there's no pressure. And he actually went all the way through focus as a Protestant, left, graduated, went to Protestant seminary for a year, and then converted to Catholicism. Father Peter became his, his sponsor of the church, and they're both Catholic priests today. But the whole point is, it's not our job to push people into the Catholic church or even into faith in Christ. Our job is to present the truth with love. And let God work. And if that means that you're going to remain a Protestant or even a non-believer, we still love you, right? And so I, I, I love the fact that his very life speaks to the fact that this is not a pressure organization. This is a passion organization that is trying to share the love and goodness of Christ and the fullness of truth and grace in the Catholic Church. And people have been responding consistently. Sometimes in a very short, his conversion to Christ was very short, Six weeks, his conversion to Catholicism, a little bit longer, several years. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thanks be to God. I want to ask one more story. So uh, I was missionary on campus for a couple of years, and I started working at, at our national office, which had about three people in it. <laughs> and uh, I remember in the, in the very first months when I was uh, at, at the office, you invited me into your office and said, John, uh, I have this opportunity. Uh, a, a friend has made himself available that he could potentially come and work for Focus and, and take a, a key role in the operations and helping Focus grow. You've been with Focus, though, for a few years, and I think you have potential. Is that something that you'd be interested in? Because I want to I be thoughtful about that. And I said, I, I'm, I'm thrilled that there's somebody else that wants to come in and help. But tell us a little bit about that, that person that came in. Yeah, Craig Miller is the, is the individual, and uh, Craig has been one of the greatest gifts in my life, along with the two of you and Michael Ann, uh, my children. I mean, it really has been a blessing. But Craig, I actually met Craig really, really early. His brother Joe was actually a founding board member with Focus. Tim Gray introduced me to him. Tim was living out in Virginia, and uh, that's where Joe Miller still lives, but uh, at, the, at the time was living. And Joe uh, had, had made some money in the high-tech world, and he was wanting to help get off the ground, and so he joined on the board. And so before the very first board meeting of Focus, 
I met with Joe and his brother who lived in Colorado, Craig. And uh, Craig also had made a fair amount of money in high tech. But the company he was working with had gotten into some bad stuff, pornography and stuff like that. And he was high enough up that he could talk to the leader. And he goes, I think this is a bad idea. And he goes, no, there's a lot of money here. And so Craig was like, I got to leave. So he walked away. And so I met him and he was early retired, you know, looking for the next thing in high tech. And, but he was here in Colorado. And the guy is just brilliant. And all the practical, he's a, he's a man of deep faith and he knows the faith and he can lead a Bible study very well. But also just can figure out how to get stuff done. He's the kind of guy where you walk, we, we sit down and we're like, okay, we think these three options are what we have and this is the best one. And Craig walks in and he goes, huh, well, here's two other options. And we're like, and they're both better than those three. And he does it over and over and over again. And he's helped us to get because we want to recognize that, and this is true for everything we do, that grace presupposes and then builds on nature. So we want to offer God the best nature we can and then allow him to transform it, to bless it, to multiply it. We're okay with not bearing fruit if God says, I'm not going to give you fruit. But if he's going to grant us fruit, and the question is, do you want more or less? We all want to bear as much fruit as we can. And that's where learning how to collaborate. You know, I think of a, somebody who's a gifted at, at sailing. They're just going to be able to capture the wind's energy better than somebody who barely knows what they're doing. And that's what we're hoping at this point in focus, that we're learning the craft of evangelization. It's still all grace, but um, but there is a craft that co- collaborates with that. And Craig has been a great collaborator with all of us. The whole hope was we want to do campus ministry because it's the most leveraged place in the culture, in the world's culture, particularly American camp- campus ministry. There are more international students studying in the United States than any other country. So if you, want, you can reach the world without ever leaving the United States. We also want to leave the United States, but um, it's an amazing place to start. And the university is just so leveraged. But it's never been the end game. We want to make disciples of all nations, and most people on earth aren't at college. And so it's always been, can can people become lawyers and doctors and politicians? And uh, I have an opportunity to have dinner later this evening with the governor of Nebraska, and he's living as a disciple and making heroic decisions. And and he'll be with us at a large group event to sit back and say, I wanted my Catholic faith to have an impact on the broader culture. And he's made some heroic decisions about life and marriage and living his faith. We need hundreds, thousands more like him, but in every area of life, including priests and nuns, but moms and dads. And so in some ways for me, uh, both of you guys, Craig as well, we've been walking for a long time together, a couple couple decades. You guys model this very much for me. It's a a beautiful thing. And uh, the, the amount of encouragement and inspiration. And so while we have done a lot of Bible studies together, um, I, 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 you never led me in a Bible study, but you led me in a lot of ways to more deeply appreciate the scriptures both of you have, and uh, and what not just what they mean, but what they mean for me <clears throat> in my life. And I think that's the key we're trying to help people do. Well, I know we're both grateful that we got roped in on this. It, yeah. My life wouldn't be the same without focus. It's one of the greatest gifts and graces to be a part of this awesome mission. No, I think about the uh, the formation that I've received while at the same time I was delivering. I mean, in some ways it's just it's humorous. I I was involved in helping to plan our our second new staff training, and I hadn't even been to a training yet. And, you know, I think of how how I have been transformed by the very formation that I am actually delivering to others and, and receiving. Right? You know, we when we begin to lead others is when we take it much more seriously. And I'm just a different man, and a different husband, and a different father as a result of our friendship uh, and just the the graces that we've received. So. Amen. Well, as uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola closed all of his meetings with the young Jesuits with the phrase, go set the world on fire, 
that echoed through St. Catherine of Siena, who said, if we are what we're meant to be, if we become who we're meant to be, we will set the world on fire. My invitation, gentlemen, is um, 25 more years. Let's go set the world on fire. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, friends. For more content from this podcast, please click the link in the episode description. And I invite you to come join us in St. Louis, Missouri, in encountering the person of Jesus Christ at Seek 24, from January the 1st through January the 5th. For more information and to learn how to register, please visit seek.focus.org.